Streaming has gotten way too complicated, but you can hack the system with Prime Video. It has everything in one app with one password. See Roadhouse and the National Women's Soccer League both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on. Or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, Start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 12 to 3 Eastern, 9 to noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and FS1. Find your local station for the Herd at FoxSportsRadio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Herd. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Here we go on a Monday. It is great to have you live joining us from Los Angeles. This is The Herd, wherever you may be and however you may be listening or watching. Thanks for making us part of your day. J-Mac is off this week. Ryan's going to be filling in with the updates. We are ready to go. Lincoln Riley stops by at USC today. Some NFL stuff. Women's college basketball, uh, which I'll get to in a second. A spectacular last couple of days of women's college basketball. And some polarizing figures, which always makes sports better. Uh, I do want to start with this, though. Um, I never think I'm unfair. Sometimes I'm harsh. I'm very opinionated. But I've been really hard on Anthony Davis. I love when he came to the Lakers. Uh, but by and large, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, he's hurt too much. Uh, Charles Barkley nicknamed him street clothes because he's just never available. But we've got to be fair. When he's great, he deserves to be told. And you deserve to be told he's great. He has become great. So the Lakers won again. Anthony Davis has emerged as the star everybody was hoping he would be. He is tough. He played Friday uh, through pain in the fourth quarter. He went down hurt earlier. He's been consistently dominant. He's been an on-the-floor leader. He's been playing big minutes. His reputation was always well-deserved even before he came to Los Angeles. He wasn't tough. He was kind of soft. He would play himself into shape. He wasn't totally committed. He was a great number two. You got talent, but zero leadership. But, but at least in the last couple of weeks, and I've always said he's a top seven, eight player in the league. He has been consistently not only great, but consistently available, consistently intense. And in year 20, this is what LeBron needed after they won in the bubble. LeBron can dish out the 11 assists. Anthony Davis is going to be the guy who drops 40. That's what LeBron was hoping would have happened after the Lakers won in Orlando in the bubble. But he came in out of shape. 
He didn't work out in the offseason. He got banged up. As I've said many times, your body will treat you as you age like you treat your body. If you were a smoker and you never exercised and you ate poorly, you're going to look like the bottom of a barge by the time you're 61 years old. Take care of yourself. And AD's been one of those guys with great tools, significant talent, Got John Calipari, his only title at Kentucky. Overwhelming physical presence on both ends of the floor. But you never know what you're going to get. And now LeBron only playing about 25 minutes in the last four or five games. That's what he can deliver. If you put LeBron with the 10 best players in the sport right now, and AD's one of them, on a lot of nights, LeBron's going to be the two. He's still a graceful two. He still has occasional jet fuel. He can rise and be the best player in moments, but you're not getting it for a very long time. So I've said this before. AD has become actually a trouble spot for LeBron. LeBron has to play at this point in his career with somebody that is available. That's why LeBron and Kawhi Leonard would not be a good match. LeBron has to play with somebody who's out there 76 nights a year. So AD is a problem matchup. And I don't think AD has the ability to stay healthy for three and four playoff series. But right now, he has been magnificent. So LeBron, excellent defense, a healthy Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves, undrafted, highly productive. Gives you 17, 18 points, a lot of assists, rebounds, can pass. Looks like a team that could win multiple playoff series. And here's the coach, Darvin Ham after yesterday's win. We always said we want to get stronger as the season gets longer and be playing our best basketball at the right time. Well, the time is definitely right. And uh, everybody's in a good, good, good rhythm. Um, and, you know, starting with him first and foremost. He, um, he, understand, he understands wholeheartedly what we need him to do. And uh, he's coming out and trying to do that. For the record, LeBron, like Magic Johnson, has always been completely comfortable with somebody else taking up the scoring slack. I've said the most remarkable number about LeBron James was he averaged about 27, 28 points a game as a junior in high school, and then as a senior, only averaged one point more. He could average 50. That's not his game. LeBron's always been much more magic than Michael. It's not about points. It's about winning and elevating others. So this is actually what LeBron wanted several years ago. It took a while. Cross your fingers on health. But right now, defensively, the way they're playing, if they play Denver in the first round, I'd give the Lakers a very strong chance to win. Just took a while. So the women's national championship game, I don't know what the rating is, but it's going to be gigantic. And for the last couple of weeks, the ratings have been gigantic. Um, Kim Mulkey is the coach of LSU. And many people think she's obnoxious, and I would admit she does dress like a disco ball. But um, my entire life, I have watched communities and the media, fans support male coaches who are schmucks, who bully, who are outspoken. Bobby Knight not only said horrible things, he did horrible things. Saw what he did with Patrick Reed. He once dumped a police officer in a trash can, throwing chairs across the court. And you defended him the entire time. The comment he made to Connie Chung, you, you sat there and said, well, I, I know what he was trying to say. I still don't. And it was grotesque. 
throwing chairs, doing bad things, bullying other coaches. Read some books about Bobby Knight. Not the greatest guy in the world. But yet communities supported him until he didn't win a lot. My entire life, I have watched male coaches be obnoxious, scream, debase athletes. And you know what I always hear? Ah, but his players love him. Well, her players love Kim Mulkey. When she getting a book deal or four. Yes, she can be a little over the top. Yes, she's anti-vax. You still put your arms around Aaron Rodgers. So is he, frankly. So are a lot of people in America. A lot of people had skepticism about the vaccine. Some of it perhaps warranted. People didn't love her opinion or the way she handled Brittany Griner. Brittany Griner was polarizing. There were a lot of different opinions on Brittany Griner. Yes, she can be wrong and opinionated, but we've always been okay with male coaches as long as they win. And not only does she win, she wins like nobody else ever. She won a title as a player and as an assistant and as a head coach. I don't have to love her. Belichick and Popovich, I think now feel outdated, but even in their prime, I thought they were difficult, over the top, and often bullies. Belichick doesn't have to treat the media like that. Popovich doesn't either. They do, and they still have people worshiping them. And my entire life, I've seen this. Bad guys, I've seen male athletes do horrible things. You never let go. I've seen male coaches do horrible things, say horrible things. I don't have to agree with Kim Mulkey, but she's authentic. She believes what she says, even if I think she's wrong. She's strong. Her players love her. Remember, that's always the out, right? No matter what you said about Bobby Knight, no matter what you say about any male coach, he can be high school, AAU, college, but his players love him, and he makes his players better, and he wins. Kim Mulkey, check, check, check. I'm waiting for big appearances on network shows and book deals now. Because that's what we've done forever. Listen, she's, you know, polarizing. In college sports, power of personality is a huge thing. Remember, in professional sports, a coach picks you out of a draft. But in college sports, the players pick the coach. Her outfits, her opinions, and lots of parts of America, people align with them. LSU's always been a sports power. They're good at college baseball, college football, Dale Brown, and now Kim Mulkey. But my entire existence as a sportscaster has been defending men who not only say bad things, but do bad things. So we're going to defend Kim Mulkey on some of that stuff we disagree with too, right? That's only fair, right? Here's the winning coach. LSU was the better team after. With about a minute and 30 to go, I couldn't hold it. Got very emotional. That's really not like me until that final buzzer goes off, but I knew we were going to hold on and win this game. And I don't know if it's the mere fact that we are doing this in my second year back home. I don't know if it was the fact that I am home. I don't know if it was looking across there at my daughter and my grandchildren. I don't know if it was looking across at Ellis. I don't know what it was, but I lost it. 
I got to be honest, in the history of college sports, I don't like most of the winning coaches. I don't. I think they're bullies. The yelling and the screaming. I've never once in my life got better when somebody screamed at me. (laughs) Not once. I don't think players generally do, although I understand occasional volume. But I, I, I do see a double standard a lot. You can go back to the 70s and Bobby Knight. Every decade, there's multiple male coaches who just say and do bad things. And that community always has their back. I don't agree with mostly what Kim Mulkey says. I, I, I wouldn't, she wouldn't be a hang for me, not somebody I'd chill with. Respect the hell out of the coaching job she does. The better team won, the deeper team won. The better coach team won yesterday, LSU. Um, so, I, I, you know, we've spent – a lot of people are getting tired of the Lamar Jackson situation. we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Lincoln Riley's on the show. But um, – so I thought, how can I crystallize it so that it makes sense for people who think Lamar Jackson is kind of getting railroaded here and should have a contract? It was really interesting. We, we batted around some things this morning as a staff, and one thing really jumped out to me, and it's not arguable – and it's very clear, and it's why a lot of people are holding off. I'll tell you that coming up. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. So uh, there's a lot of divergent opinions on Lamar Jackson and what to do. Um, The big question now is what are the Colts going to do? The first two picks in the draft, they're going to take college quarterbacks. Arizona's a third pick. Colts probably stay at four. And many people uh, would subscribe to a pretty simple theory. Why not pay for a star NFL quarterback that wins about 70, 75% of his starts or the third best quarterback at best in this draft? So I don't think Will Levis uh, or, or Anthony Richardson is good enough to move up for. I do think Bryce Young is. Um, 
So let's compare, because it seems simple, right? You take Lamar over a college quarterback in a very average college quarterback draft. But, but a lot of this is what Lamar Jackson is demanding, right? It's not about the college quarterbacks. It's, hey, we, we just don't want to get locked into a contract. So Lamar Jackson reportedly has turned down three years and $133 million fully guaranteed. So on average, that's $44 million a year. That's slightly more than Josh Allen. So they've both been in the NFL for five years. Let's just put them out there. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. How are they comparable as quarterbacks? And it's not, frankly, very, very close on the stuff that matters. When you talk about total touchdown passes, Josh Allen, look at the numbers, has 30% more. 30% more touchdown passes. Total touchdowns, running and throwing. He's got 30, 35% more, Josh. Starts, 25% more, Josh Allen. Playoff wins, 75% more. It's not particularly close. Now, because Lamar is signing after Josh Allen, I don't have a problem with him making slightly more if he's a better quarterback or an equal quarterback. But at this point, they're not equal. And you can say, well, Lamar doesn't have great receivers. Well, Lamar has had a better offensive line and better tight ends since entering the league than Josh Allen. Josh has a star receiver the last couple of years in Stephon Diggs. But after that, you trust Gabriel Davis? He vanishes. <laughs> so don't tell me about the great O-line Josh Allen's has had. Bad. The run game, non-existent. Tight end, good Dawson Knox, not great. Receivers, Stephon Diggs is amazing. Who's the two? Depends on the week. So it's not like he's had a ton to work with. And by the way, Josh Allen arguably plays in worse weather with a defensive coach. 30% more of that, 30% more of this, way more available. And this can't be underscored. None of these contracts are about August and September. They're about December and January. Do you lead your team to a playoffs, right? That's what it's about. The last two years in December and January, Josh Allen has been available in 11 of 11 games. He's won nine straight and put up massive numbers. In that same time period, Lamar Jackson has started and finished one of 12 games. Momentum is a real thing. They both run. They're both productive. But neither has had the Kansas City Chiefs arsenal or coaching offensively. Neither's had that. Neither's had the offensive production and talent of the San Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo. Both have dealt with us a bunch of average. Lamar's had the better tight ends, the better offensive line. Josh Allen has Stephon Diggs. Not a good O-line. Not a great run game. Good, not a superstar tight end. So when, it, when you compare the two, I wouldn't have a problem if Lamar, because he signs after, uh, got, a, got a, you know, a reasonable contract. But if you want more and more guaranteed than Josh Allen and you're 30% less in the stuff that matters to me, availability, do you deliver in December and January, total touchdowns, total touchdown pass. I know we love running around. You got to pass from the pocket to win Super Bowls. I think that's a little context and a little clarity. I like Lamar Jackson. And obviously, he's a safer bet than a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson. Uh, that's, that goes without saying. But the question isn't about that. It's how long do you want to lock your quarterback up when he's not available 
in the most pivotal times of a football season. Here's Ryan with the news. No, 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 no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. We'll start with the NFL here, Colin. Go to another quarterback in the AFC. That would be Patriots quarterback Mac Jones. You've been critical of Bill Belichick and how he's handled things with Mac Jones. Yeah. Obviously, they had a disastrous offensive season under yeah. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. Well, Mac Jones reportedly sought help from outside the organization of the Patriots at the end of last season to try and get things right with the offense. Now, months after this season has ended, Apparently, Bill Belichick is still bothered by that decision. According to Tom Curran, disloyalty in Bill's mind is almost worse than poor play, and Belichick is, quote, really pissed about it. So Bill Belichick still holding a grudge against Mac Jones, even though he put him in a bad situation and could not have success. So Bill demands total loyalty to Bill, but Bill's not loyal to players. So you ask for something, you have to give it back. Bill Belichick has moved off great players. Chandler uh, Chandler Jones was a great player. Um, If you look at Bill Belichick's history, it was uh, what Bill is doing. It's he is asking people for things he doesn't deliver. So he wants absolute transparency, yet he's covert. He wants absolute loyalty, but he's not loyal. Uh, He is bothered if you make him look bad, but Bill often. Butler, Super Bowl won't let him play right so be very careful when you're a leader if you start asking employees to deliver things that you're not willing to do that was the ultimate hypocrite of bobby knight who always talked about playing under control who yet had no self-control yeah you've said this about aaron Rodgers. he wants total transparency open lines of communication and then the packers are like well we tried calling you and we couldn't get a hold of you so it would be helpful if you returned the favor yeah i've had packer players in the last three months a a packer player currently on the roster who likes aaron tell me yeah he's not a he's not transparent about anything during game week or during the off season or during the season so don't ask for it so th- this is a classic loyalty matters to bill Yet he has very little to players. All right. And the other thing that's odd about this is all this is saying is how much Mac Jones actually cares. He could have mailed it in and been like, you know, look at this joke of a coaching staff I got. We're just going to move on to next season. But he's looking at every angle, turning over every stone to try and improve at this situation. Yeah. That Belichick is the one who put them in this terrible spot. Yeah. We'll go to a uh, former actual New England coach. That's uh, Josh McDaniels. He's now with the Las Vegas Raiders. And the Raiders are reportedly a team to keep your eye on in the quarterback market coming up in this year's draft. According to Jeremy Fowler, some teams are watching the Raiders to potentially move up to the from the seventh pick to draft Anthony Richardson. Seattle is currently... Seattle's a spot that could be a trade partner at number yep. five. Yep. Uh, Vegas is also hosting Kentucky quarterback Will Levis at their facility today, according to Ian Rappaport. Yeah. Well, they're both physical specimens, right? Right. Whereas Mm -hmm. C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young throw the ball accurately into the right team, Anthony and Will Levis are seen as these physical freaks. I mean, Levis is like a bodybuilder. Anthony Richardson's like... I mean, it's like Cam Newton, but faster. Yeah. So they're... they're, I haven't gone into this yet, but the physical freak quarterback... To me, it's always been a little overplayed. Um, I still think this is a sit-in-the-pocket, throw-accurate passes, why Bryce Young should be the best quarterback. But, um, I mean, the Raiders, do they have enough draft? The one thing the Raiders have that I'll give them credit for, in the key areas outside of corner, 
in most key areas in this sport today, they do have strangely all the boxes. Max Crosby, great edge rusher. Devontae Adams, star receiver. Uh, Josh Jacobs, power clock-eating running back. Uh, a quarterback that's won playoff games. An offensive coach. A very good left tackle. So the Raiders are the opposite of the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts have a good roster but haven't hit on four or five key positions. The Raiders have hit on four or five key positions but don't have necessarily a very good roster. So outside of getting a really good corner in the draft, the Raiders are probably a team that says, if we can get a quarterback in a corner, that may be what they need. They missed on a lot of picks with Mayock and Gruden, a lot. But they have also, you got to be fair here, they have hit some home runs later in the draft. Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, these are great, great gets. So the Raiders are an odd team. They've got the right places right. And a lot of the rest roster is a mess. But I could see them just saying to themselves, all right, let's get the quarterback for the future. Doesn't have to play this year. And get a corner. Right. And you'd kind of have the boxes checked. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they have Jimmy G now, who's familiar with his time with Josh McDaniels. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see you know, where they end up going because Anthony Richardson would be way different than anything that we would fit into the mold of like a New England-style Josh right. McDaniels quarterback but perhaps they're looking at their division and they're like look we got to go up against Patrick Mahomes Justin Herbert these guys are big swing otherworldly so we got to try and hit something that's just like this unicorn of a quarterback and maybe that can be the thing that helps put us in close competition with those teams year in and year out yeah obviously same with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton if they can turn things around everybody thinks the Colts are going to go up in the draft or draft Lamar are the Colts thinking because they did this before the suck for luck campaign are the Colts thinking we don't love any of these quarterbacks. Let's let the Raiders come up to four and get their guy. Because the Raiders may like both the physical attributes of both Richardson and Levis. And the Colts say, hey, we're in the AFC. We can get bad really fast. And the Colts move down, get more picks, solve their left tackle, get another receiver, and then next year get one of the two great quarterbacks. I don't think that's crazy. In the NFC, you could be bad and win five games. In the AFC, now, with the emergence of Jacksonville, and I, I do think Houston, if they land Bryce Young, could win a lot of games, actually. Six, seven games in that division, or eight. I could see Indy Ursay just saying, bottom line is, okay, we'll be bad for one more year. They're not going to fire Shane Steichen. He's a rookie coach. I could see Shane Steichen saying, if you're giving me the option of Will Levis or Caleb Williams... I'll win three games this year. If I was a coach, I'd rather have the better quarterback. This is not Shane Steichen in year four or five, like Sala now going into year three. Kind of needs to win. Shane Steichen's a really bright offensive guy. Zero pressure to win in year one. I could see him totally signing off on that. Yeah. I mean, look, if you get the support of the owner to take a down year and then start rebuilding it from there, might as well, instead of this carousel of quarterbacks that they've been running through since Andrew Luck. We'll finish up with this, Colin. San Diego, San Diego State completed a 14-point second-half comeback against Florida Atlantic in the Final Four, the fifth biggest comeback in Final Four history. Aztecs got the win with a buzzer-beating jumper as time expired. Such a great play. Let's take a listen to it. Westwood won radio call of that game-winning shot by Lamont Butler. Six seconds to go. Five seconds. Butler to the right wing with three seconds. Butler in the corner with one second. Hoist the jumper. It's good! It's good! Lamont Butler sends San Diego State to its first national championship. 
as you uh, just heard there. Obviously, they are heading on to the final national championship tonight against UConn. Fox Bet has UConn favored by 7.5. Yeah, I like UConn big. I, I do feel, I felt this, when Iowa expends so much energy to upset South Carolina, then you're asking them a day or two later, to, to rise to the yeah. level against LSU. It's hard to sustain that over multiple games. Can't. You're and out. so I thought yesterday LSU would win. And again, you're asking San Diego State off the biggest win in program history to come back and beat a superior team. Yeah. I think UConn wins handily tonight. Yeah, UConn's been cruising through. They've looked so good. And yeah, it's going to be tough for San Diego State to follow up that comeback. Uh, good stuff. Ryan with the news. Well, that's the news. And thanks for stopping by. The Herd Line News. So it's one of the things that has been interesting to me, and if you've listened to me for a long time, you know that I'm, I'm, I I'd always say you drive the bus. What you watch, I'll talk about, right? I, I It's the omelet over the egg theory. I don't make the omelet. The omelet gets delivered. I talk about the omelet. I'm not, so, I'm not here to make your team popular. You get popular and I'll talk about you. Women's basketball is not something I've talked about a lot in my career. It got really popular. The ratings... Uh, in March for this uh, Iowa team have been sensational. The ratings yesterday, I haven't seen them. They'll be gigantic. So, But there's a lot of things I want to throw out here. Women's basketball ratings have been on a several-year, several-year growth spurt as the NBA has been declining, college basketball regular season has been declining. Women's basketball ratings have been increasing. The final four viewership this year is up 66%. Now, a lot of that is Caitlin Clark. She's a kind of a female Steph Curry. Uh, she's the catalyst for these ratings. But I would say this, and I've said this before. In the last 25 years, no sport has improved more than women's basketball. Why? The same reason the United States women's national soccer team dominated their sport and has for decades. Because America encouraged women to play soccer and many other countries did not. We got a 30-year head start on much of the globe. Now, it's much more competitive. But 25, 30 years ago, even though it was the wrong side to be on, people weren't telling women to be athletes as often as they should have been. Now it's really cool. It's always been cool. <laughs> I've always liked women who are jocks. But now everybody gets how beneficial it is to them, a community, and sports in general. So the quality of women's basketball over the last 25 years, go look at a women's basketball game 25 years ago on YouTube. It doesn't look like today. The women are faster and twitchier. They're more athletic. They shoot better. They've got great moves. I mean, it's a really good watch. Now, obviously, Caitlin Clark has been the catalyst for this explosion of ratings over the last couple of weeks and month. But once you turn it on, America's not going to be fooled. They like drama. They like stars. And this gave you a lot of it. But I've felt this, and I've said it multiple times, is that no sport, college men's basketball, conversely, is worse. Why? Because the talent now leaves after a year. 25, 30 years ago in men's college basketball, this is hard to imagine, guys like Patrick Ewing would come back for their junior year. The good teams had three or four pros, and not borderline pros. The big dog programs had three or four great pro players. 
Go look at teams that didn't win in men's basketball 25, 30 years ago. St. John's had Mark Jackson, Bill Wennington, Chris Mullen, Willie Glass, like, like really good players. I think Walter Berry was on one of those teams. They didn't win. Houston had Akeem and Clyde Drexler, Larry Mashu, I think Rob Young, if I'm right. They didn't win. There are NBA guys everywhere. Now college basketball, if you get a really good NBA player, he is out, man. It's, it's the classic apartment complex. Everybody's there as little time as possible and move to the better location, right? And so women's college basketball has grown in quality over the last 25 years like no sport in my life. Not all sports are the same. Boxing, not as many talented young people go into boxing. Not as many great men's college basketball players stay in college basketball for years. But part of the resurgence and this growth of women's basketball, it's just more fun to watch. It's just more athletic. It's twitchier. It, I mean, the quality and the speed uh, of yesterday's game, it doesn't even look like 30 years ago. People encouraged women, get into this sports thing. It's awesome. And now that everybody is, the beneficiary. These ratings are not just yesterday. This has been happening for five or six years where you are slowly seeing this thing grow. I think yesterday it's finally getting everybody's attention, and you had the perfect catalyst, kind of a Steph Curry sort of player and Caitlin Clark. But uh, I'm watching that game yesterday. It is feisty, and it's trash-talking, and it's complaining about officials, and it's obnoxious coaching, and it's long three-point jumpers. It's quality television and quality athletes. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. 
comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. So tomorrow, at the start of the second hour, I generally don't do mock drafts. I may do one a year, but I'm going to do uh, top 10, 12 picks in tomorrow's show, mock draft. It will not be on my prediction of what teams are going to do. I've often told you, if I didn't do this for a living, my dream job has always been to be an NFL general manager or write a screenplay. So that neither one's going to happen. But I'm telling you what I would do if I was the GM for the 10 teams with the top 10 picks. And I think it's clear as day. I think it makes sense. I doubt I'll even get half of them right because, you know, there's a domino theory. If one team moves up, it changes the whole order. But what I would do if I was a general manager, I'll do that tomorrow, second hour. Top of next hour for us, Colin Wright, Colin Wrong. We do it every Monday. That'll be coming up. Now, Albert Breer, Monday morning quarterback, joining us live. So, as we talk about this, there are rumors about the Raiders moving up to get Anthony Richardson. And I just made the point that they're a very strange team. They're the opposite of the Colts, where they actually, the four or five key positions, weapon, edge rush, left tackle, you know, outside of corner, they really check all the box. Offensive coach, quarterback who's won playoff games. They need a corner and probably their quarterback for the future. I get the Raiders moving up, right? Like, I I get this. And by the way, most of their stars are young. Colton Miller's pretty yep. young. Max Crosby's young. Josh Jacobs is fairly young. Devontae Adams still has four or five peak years to go. What do you make about mm-hmm. the Raider rumors moving up? I think the Raiders are going into this with a very open mind. And I think this is going to boil down to how Josh McDaniel sees the quarterbacks. Um, and I think I've, you know, used this comparison. I probably worn it out with you, Colin, but it's Alex Smith in Kansas City is the way they saw Derek Carr last year. It's the way they see Jimmy Garoppolo this year. And so until they have a quarterback of the future, they're going to take a hard look at every quarterback in the draft. And pu- one thing that adds to that this year is they happen to be in the top 10. So there's a good chance one of these guys falls right into their lap. And if they really fall in love with them, they could move up for him. So that's why they went through all the paces with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and, and Will Levis and, and, and Anthony Richardson, too. Um, and the nice thing about the spot that they're in is that they're going to have a chance, if they want, to give the young quarterback a developmental year because they've got a starting quarterback that they like and that they know really well in Jimmy Garoppolo. So if you're in the camp that Anthony Richardson needs a year or two to sit and learn, well, then Vegas would be one of those spots that's ideal for him because there'd be no push to get him out there on the field because they have Jimmy. And, uh, you know, again, that's that's another area where you could bring that Alex Smith and Kansas City comparison um, in that having Alex Smith allowed the Chiefs to sit Patrick Mahomes for a year as well. Um, I, I got to ask you about Aaron Rodgers. I know the audience is sort of numb to it, but uh, you could argue who has leverage now. The Packers would like to get a draft pick for this draft. The Jets would also like Aaron to get in camp, the playbook, kind of get the momentum going, merchandise sales, everything. 
What is your best guess on Aaron Drafts? Uh, three weeks out now. What's your best guess? I think, you know, it could happen tomorrow. It could happen the day of the draft. You know, I think they're close enough now. I think they're in striking distance. And um, look, sometimes it takes deadlines for these things to get done. Um, but, you know, we've gotten past the point where the feelings were still raw. And I think that it probably took a good week um, for everybody to move past, you know, Aaron Rodgers' comments on McAfee. Um, and, you know, I think the, the, the Packers have moved a little bit. The Jets have moved a little bit. And I think relationships are really, really important here. The two head coaches here, Robert Sala and Matt LaFleur, are legitimately best friends. The two general managers, Brian Gutekunst and Joe Douglas, spent years together on the road. And the two guys in charge, Woody Johnson in New York and Mark Murphy in Green Bay, were both a part of the Brett Favre deal 15 years ago. So you've got a lot of relationships here. I know that they made some progress at the league meeting. It's going to take sign-off from all, like every level of each organization, so you have to go through the process there. But I think this absolutely gets done before the draft, and I think it could get done before the Jets and Packers open their off-season programs two weeks from today. So I think the, the negotiation right now is in a good place, and I do think because of the relationships there um, that there's been good, good progress towards getting something done, and I think at any point between now and the draft it could happen. Um, listen, I... I, I... The big topic on Lamar is the Colts now, right? Like that would be yeah. the challenger, and I and I can see Robert Ursay because they had that suck for luck campaign. I could see Ursay yep. saying, "If we can't get Bryce Young, who we already commented on, yeah, none of these guys are game changers. Let's just wait, wait, wait. Let a Raiders or somebody else move up. We still have to get a left tackle, a corner, another weapon. Um, there's parts of their roster I do I do like. I can see right. Indy saying in the AFC if you look ahead. You've got to have a difference maker. We don't think Will Levis is a difference maker. Let's get mm -hmm. Caleb Williams or Drake May. Do you think it's possible that Indy actually doesn't get Lamar nor a quarterback and moves back to get a boatload of picks? There are a lot of moving parts here. One thing I can tell you definitively is, is what happened when the Bears called them. And they were one of the four teams that the Bears were dealing with um, you know, ahead of making that trade with the Panthers to move down from one to nine. And, and really the response that Indianapolis gave the Bears was, we're not really there yet on any of the quarterbacks. And if they weren't there yet on, on the quarterbacks then, that tells you they weren't sold on one being worth the first overall pick. And if one's not worth the first overall pick, you know maybe they're a little iffy on one's worth the fourth overall pick. Now, they're going to work all those guys out this week. All four of them have workout schedule with the Colts. They'll probably bring at least a couple of them into their building on 30 visits. So like they're going to see, but... I still think there needs to be some convincing on the part of those quarterbacks that they're of that level for Chris Bauer to take the plunge on, on, on one of them. And it could happen, but it also might not. And if it doesn't happen, well, then, you know, you move past the draft. And now if you're talking about signing Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet, it's not the fourth overall pick anymore. It's first round picks in 2024 and 2025. So you could wind up with Will Anderson, let's say, and Lamar Jackson and give up picks that maybe you think are going to be in the 20s yeah. down the line. The risk there, of course, is that the Ravens just match your offer sheet and now you're without a quarterback. But um, look, like I think you know, if you, if you look at Chris Ballard's history, he's been very methodical about this. He hasn't overreached on a quarterback outside of maybe the Carson Wentz thing since losing Andrew Luck in such stunning fashion. And I think it'd be his instinct not to overreach on a quarterback now 
The one caveat being that pressure from ownership could wind up forcing something. We'll see if that happens. Okay, we got about 45 seconds left. I want to ask you about C.J. Stroud. You went to Ohio State. You know the Buckeyes. You watch every second. If I said Mm -hmm. you, I know what he's good at. Is there anything, any apprehension for you as somebody who watched every snap of C.J. Stroud? I said, Albert, did you trust him in big games? Was he? Did he have the alpha? Yeah. What is the not? Because I heard that early that he wasn't a big alpha early at Ohio right. State. He certainly developed that. What's your? Is there a criticism about him? Yeah. yeah the, the, the weird thing is, that, like, I mean, there was. There, there very much has been criticism of him. Like, does he turn down runs? You know, in their zone read game, does he turn down runs? Um, is he creative enough? Is he good off schedule? Um, all of those were legitimate questions going into the national assembly final. And then against Georgia, he answered all of them. Like it was a different player against Georgia. And if you look at, you know, his body of work over two years, you had CJ Stroud pre Georgia and then CJ Stroud in the Georgia game. Yeah. So I think the challenge here for, for, for teams is they look at it and they say that guy in the Georgia game has superstar potential, but was that a flash? Or is that what he's really becoming now? Yeah. Was he protecting himself earlier in the year? I mean, there are all kinds of questions that stem from that. But I think in that Georgia game, you saw the high-end potential of C.J. Stroud and who he can be. He's a really good kid. And now, you know, I think for teams, the, the, the question is going to be is what you saw on New Year's Eve. Is that sustainable? Is that who C.J. Stroud is in the process of yeah. becoming? And if that's who he's in the process of becoming, then he's absolutely worth a first or second pick. Monday morning quarterback Albert Brewer. Good seeing you, man, on a Monday. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Colin. Uh, a guy that I lean on for a lot of draft prospectus is Lance Zerline. Uh, he's a Houston radio host. Dad was in the NFL. His comp for C.J. Stroud? is Jared Goff, which is, by the way, beautiful thrower, accurate thrower, not going to not gonna give you a, a lot off schedule. I think that's very reasonable. I like Jared Goff. I really do. Much more than my staff. I like Jared Goff, but that's his comp. Hour two, Colin Wright, Colin Wrong, next on a Monday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge Podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.